Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 135th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. And it is the most wonderful time of the year. That's right, because Thanksgiving is over. The leftovers are just sitting in our belly and we all have to go to the gym. Uh, and it is the Christmas season is upon us. And we are going to be talking about so much great stuff on this episode, including some Christmas stuff. And uh, I am going to give everyone a Christmas present right now because returning to the podcast after his paternity leave, we welcome the double dad back to the to the socially distanced podcast, back to the popbreak.com, back to the land of the living. Al Manorino, the legendary Al Manorino is back. Sir, you look way more awake than I thought you would be. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Uh, so happy to be back. Uh, missed you. Missed. Uh, <sighs> missed. Well, I, I was talking to the audience. I miss you guys. Bill, I talked to you enough. Um, I, I, I do. I do miss doing this with you, though. So uh, I'm excited. And uh, with two of my other favorite people on the planet, too. So should be great. That's right. Also returning to the podcast after she did a, a double shot. In the uh, you know Mid Atlantic region, she's working Starcade for Jim Crocker Promotions. Her and Dusty Rhodes against the Coloss in a Russian train match. Only she will understand that reference. Sounds like the weirdest like Mad Libs I've ever heard in my life. But only what the one, that? only a uh, Mad Libs that my other co-host Amanda Rivas and I would do any day of the week. Amanda, of course, back from her sojourn for searching for love and thunder. Uh, dude, welcome back. Happy Thanksgiving. How you doing? I'm good. Th that was just so much awesomeness in one. I can't even, my heart is just about to explode with joy. Uh, I am just, I, I am good. I am happy to be out of a car. <laughs> drove like a lot. A, we drove a lot. It was about a 21 to 25 hour drive with dog and multiple stops built in. So uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, well, according to my significant other, I fell asleep through multiple states driving. So I was like, oh, okay. I missed a good chunk. Sorry. States I fell asleep through, but um, it's always back. <laughs> you got you to make those towns, man. You got to make yeah. those towns. And then yeah. joining us is a fun fact about our next guest. In, we had him on one of our earliest episodes of the podcast. Then we didn't have him on for like a year and a half. Now has vanished. Banished, came back, and I think this year has been on like at least 45 to 50% of the episodes this year. He is the number one commander of our hearts, Ben Murkison. Buddy, I, you thought I was going to say something negative about you, but I'm not. You've just been on so many podcasts with us. It's great to have you back. I appreciate that. I'm not sure what I did to, to earn the ban after the first episode, but whatever it is, I haven't repeated it yet. So I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that I can keep this train rolling. I, I, I think it was just, I think it was just, we forgot. <laughs> and, um... You forgot I existed. That's fine. That's fine. That doesn't make me feel any worse. Honestly, right, right after that episode, we were uh, like, we recorded it and Bill and I were like, wow. It was the first time we, uh, like, I think we yeah, talked yeah. to you in, per in person before. Like, wow, Ben's such a good guy. We got to get him back on. And then we just forgot to bring you back on. Just for forgot. Like, the, the first the first year of this, the, the first season of this podcast was um, chaos. It was just a lot of chaos. Also, a lot listen of to the first episode. It's a completely different show. Uh, it, it totally is. Don't listen to the eighth episode. 
because that's I'm a the one you should listen to. That's the I one I want to go back rating. and listen to now. Yeah, it's the best. I'm a completely different person. Uh, joining the podcast is now um, Sophie Bodkin, who is not happy with the fact I borrowed her headphones without telling her. Uh, oh, I, she's got she's getting I was headlock putting there. them in my backpack so we go to Disney. She these are her Disney headphones because uh, we're recording this a little early because uh, on the day this comes out, December second, uh, my forty first birthday, uh, we will be in Disney World, uh, hopefully riding the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is ironic. Since today we are talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, as well, I watched it with him. yeah, Sophie has watched it twice with me, and we are going to be talking about the Andor season finale. Uh, but before we get into that, just a little housekeeping, just letting everyone know because uh, the end, like the second half of this season, we haven't had a show to consistently review so we just the schedule is always changing uh next week we're going to be talking about one of ben's shows uh willow we're going to be talking about that premiere we the following week will be our first installment of our holiday special series where we're going to al i don't know if you actually know we're doing this or not uh we're going to be talking about the 1978 star wars holiday special there is a, a an hd version of it on youtube and we're going to watch it. The one that inspired the special we're going to talk about today, but it's supposedly really terrible. Um, and it's so uh, terrible. It's awesome. <laughs> and then we are going to uh, the following week. Alex Marcus, our podcast editor, will be on because he's never seen Die Hard. Al, he's never seen Die Hard, and we have to uh, rectify that immediately. So what? I. How he, he is, I don't know. He's seen every movie imaginable yeah. and he has not seen that. And then hopefully by the end of the year, if we do an end of year episode, it will be our best of 2022. And yes, Sophie, what's up? You can sit wherever you want. Um, so yes, we are going to talk. Let's get into the show. Let's get into that Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Now, guys, um, I know Al's thoughts on this, but I would love to know everyone's thoughts on Guardians before we quickly before we get into the holiday special. So, Amanda, while my daughter decides to reconfigure uh, my entire bedroom, I'm going to uh, ask you first to give your opinions on this. Oh, man, uh, I loved both Guardians films. I thought they were just a refreshing change of pace, uh, especially the first film when it came out. Um, you know, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just, they're, they're brilliant. Um, hilarious, heartwarming. It made me love Chris Pratt even more because I love him already from Parks and Rec. I mean, just, just it was just so well done. And um, just, I always look forward to Guardians film because you know, it's going to be funny. The soundtrack's going to be fire. And um, it's just, it's, they're just, they're great all the way around. They, they really are. Uh, ben, real quick, your thoughts on the Guardians yeah. franchise. I, I second all of that. Um, and I've always been comedy first when it comes to Marvel. Like I enjoyed those more than anything. So Guardians definitely pulled that. And um, I, having not come from the wrestling world, I didn't know Dave Bautista before this. And so this was my introduction to him. And he's freaking fantastic. And he, so, he walks through a pit of danger. Um, <laughs> again, that's only Amanda and I will get that reference. <laughs> Al, I, I pretty much know. I mean, how much? Where? Okay, so I'll ask this: Where does this rank in your top? What do Guardians rank in your top five Marvel films? 
Oh, like the like the first Guardians or the second Guardians, or just either. Guardians in general. Either. Um, man, Guardians is like, like OG, like one of like the most rewatchable Marvel movies. It's like up there with Iron Man with me and Ant Man. It's something you could just put on at any time of day, any time of year, and just be like, I'm in. And it could be, it's like a super rewatchable movie where it's like, oh, it's three, it's two thirds of the way in. I'm going to watch the rest. Like, there's no question about it. So I love that movie. And I think the second one is super underrated. I love the soundtrack. Um, I actually love the soundtrack to the second one more, especially Brandy. It's a fire song. Uh, I have both soundtracks on vinyl. Love Guardians. Love James Gunn. Love what he's doing with these characters. And I love how he has put such an imprint on them that they like exude his writing his you know whatever he put into those characters in the avengers movies um and everything they've done since so yeah love guardians and the the holiday special was uh just just what i needed it, it definitely got me ready for the season i uh for me just real quick I, you'll hear most of my thoughts on bill versus the mcu but uh we talked about uh the marvel scene that makes you cry the most uh, and that is, of course, uh, the Yondu scene at the end of Guardians 2. I weeped like a baby uh, so hard. And uh, and it is sorry. Sophie just walked out and walked in. I know what she's doing. Uh, so, yeah, that made me weep. And also the fact that well, you mentioned Brandy uh, as a Rutgers University alum, the fact that this band used to live in a house behind the student center of Rutgers University and they and they became a what hit one hit wonder out of New Brunswick New Jersey and that was interwoven into such an integral part of that movie uh, it's it, to me you you can't not crack my top 10 of all time as a film so yes the movies are great and when they announced the special we all had the same reaction Let's get it on. So and now maybe that's the weirdest thing, but I'm really sp- I'm spiraling out of control right now and I'm not even drinking. So the first question is the most important question. Is the new song, I Don't Know What Christmas Is, by the old 97s, now a staple in your holiday playlist? The fact I'm asking this question already gives my answer of, yes, I have played it 15 times already and I am not tired of it yet. Amanda... Is this is this making the playlist? Is this gonna oh. is this cracking it? Oh yeah, absolutely. And how cool is it that this is this, this is James Gunn's favorite band? Yeah. Too, from what I heard. I mean, that's so awesome. When you can work your favorite band into a cameo like this. Um, yeah, we've we've played it nonstop over here. Seth loves it, right? This little Seth Rebus, by the way, you might hear him in the background too. Seth, what do you think about the Guardian song? Did you like it? Yes. Seth Rebus uh, approved. Nice. <laughs> Good, good man. Good man. He's not a boy. He's a man. <laughs> uh, he is. Um, ben, listen, we know you as the purveyor of bangers and bops. Now, this did not have that big bass beat. No one was packing a party bag because it wasn't a large one. That's a reference I will get. Um, we, no one was throwing shapes into the middle distance. But did you like it? Yes, I'll say not only is it on my playlist right now, it is my playlist. I think that that's probably one that I'm I'm playing nonstop between that. And uh, if you watch the movie with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell spirited, there's a song on that one called Good Afternoon that I've been playing quite a lot. So oh, I got to watch that. I got to watch those songs are going off in my head constantly. And my wife is very lucky that she's out of town right now. (laughs) Yes. Um, Al, I got to know. 
Listen, I know there's a lot of cold play on that list. If Turnstile has uh, or Phoenix have Christmas songs, I know that's on there. But does the old 97s also, you know, dressed up as aliens, do they make your eternal playlist for the holidays? Yeah, I'll probably be hosting Christmas again this year in some way or another. So I think that's going to make the list, man. Oh, just tell me, what to, tell me what to bring. Uh, TBD. <laughs> More Trogues Mad Elf, I know. <laughs> um for me as as dj father christmas the official dj of uh the uh fondly remembered pop break holiday spectaculars in asbury park uh i did dj and put a lot of uh, stuff together and this would definitely be on my playlist in fact i just added it to the old playlist i had and played it through my ps4 while we were putting the christmas tree up and it's it's a great song it's ridiculous but you know what it's it's it fits guardians for sure um this whole special really was just you know drax and 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 mantis do hollywood what did you guys think of of taking a a duo that really had great chemistry in guardians 2 we saw a little bit of it in infinity war uh not not really any of it in endgame but taking them and making them the focus, was it too much of a good thing? You know, did they overdo it? Or did this this pairing really work, especially given the brevity of the special? Al, since you're back and most likely uh, trying to make terrible sports bets right now, uh, what do you think? Because I know you are. Not, it's actually not what I was doing, but it's fun. It's close. <laughs> it's not wrong. Who, who's, to, who's to say? Um, what did you think of? the pairing of making Drax and Mantis the the primary focus of the episode and not like Star-Lord or yep. Nebula. I think the they were like one of like the low-key best parts of the second movie. Um, their, their banter back and forth was pretty great. Um, and I thought Mantis overall was like a really fun addition. Um, I also love that they keep ex- like every version of Guardians. He keeps like low-key expanding the team as well like now we have cosmo uh that's who i absolutely adore um and you know from that easter egg in the first movie i believe in the the end uh end credits and and the collector's uh what you know his room or whatever um yeah no i just they they work really well together i think it was uh another like batista just crushing it but also uh was is it poe is that her first name Uh, Um. Pom, 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 Clementine, Pom, yes, Pom, Pom. So, Pom, um, th- like, wow, like an actually like incredible performance, uh, of with her and and Mantis, like really making you care a lot more about Mantis, and you know the the kind of twist or whatever you want to call it, maybe not even a twist, but like realization that they're their siblings i was like oh that's a really cool thing that we never actually addressed before so that's actually pretty awesome um it just felt all right and i I just love that pairing of the two of them and want to see more like if they just did this every year or did like a different season i know we'll talk about this but like if Mm. it's just if it's always them i think that would be really really funny like like they're kind of like road trip like mini episodes amanda al brings up a good point where we get the reveal and it's like you could pretty much figure out that quill and mantis are siblings um I would like to get you like a little tinfoil from you just about not even a theory, I just call it tinfoil at this point about how do you think this could play into the third movie? And do you, do you want to see more of this quill mantis dynamic? Because 
Mantis and, and Drax are great together. They're gold. They they literally built a special around them. What do you think about Quill and Mantis? And like, how do you want to see this co- come about? I think it's going to be something very key in Guardians Three, um, because otherwise, why why reveal it and why make it such a focus? I mean, yes, it's a feel good moment, uh, but I feel like there's going to be a reason. There has to be a reason for it. Um, so so I do see that relationship playing out more in the third Guardians. I th- I think we're going to see. I think it just is really going to depend on on what the plan is for the Guardians after the third movie. Um, this could be a nice wrap up to give, especially since Quill has been going through so much with the loss of Gamora. Um, is everything going to come around full circle? Is this going to be the last time now that we know where James Gunn is at? Um, I think it's just really going to depend on on what the plan is for Guardians three. But so I think this is this is something key. And I, I really do hope we see this fleshed out more. I feel like we're going to get some great comedic moments. We're going to get some great heartfelt moments. And I feel like it's it's a good um, progression for Quill's character in terms of growth. So he's growing. It's a whole journey, you know, from First Guardians on. So him having that continued growth would be great. I feel like, again, seeing more Mantis would be great too. So, and, and I thought the use of Mantis and Drax together was was really smart because the other movies focused on the other characters. So it was nice to see these two get their spotlight a little bit. And I feel like, you know, kind of learning more about everybody's going to lead to some kind of big reveal or something big for Guardians 3 in general. Uh, and then we've seen Drax like really evolve from just like he's he's deadly serious in the first one. Nothing goes over his head. Reflexes are too good to literally just laughing hysterically at so many things and like being a much more of an ebullient character. Um, and Batista's got on record saying, like, yeah, I'm in my 50s, I don't know how much longer I can do this character, which could also be as you know, listen, we as wrestling fans, I need more money. Amanda and I also know just like brother, you know, until you put the boots in the center of the ring, you're not really retired. And even then you might not be retired. Um, The Undertaker, for example. Right. I was Uh, about to say. Yeah. You can see Dave Bautista pop up now. um, I mean, I would like that better than The Undertaker. He's he's less (laughs) problematic. Um, So, Ben, like, how, how do you see the evolution of Batista going from just so deadly serious to a much more comedic character? And does that make you f- actually fear for the fate of Drax the Destroyer in Guardians 3? Well, I would be absolutely miserable if something happened to Drax. He's <laughs> he's definitely my favorite part of Guardians uh, from the first one on. And as Amanda had said, too, like, um, they're relatively underutilized in anything outside of just the Guardians movies. So it was really cool to see both of them get a lot of play here. But I mean, his character has evolved, but only to a point. Like he, he's obviously, you know, they talk about he's just entirely literal. So he doesn't get like sarcasm, metaphors, et cetera. And uh, he doesn't take social cues well at all. Um, you know, the best thing about his character is just, he's just going to laugh at everything, even if it's entirely inappropriate. Um, so I like that that part of his character still exists throughout, even if he grants a concept of like, you know, family and I love these people and we're a team like kind of concept. He's getting little pieces here, but uh, I mean, you see in the holiday special, he's still very much one track. I mean, he did choose a funny little pop-up man versus uh, saving, <laughs> saving close Christmas <laughs> present. So uh, he, he's evolved, but only to a point. And I think that they're a perfect pairing because, you know, she she's much more sensitive and, and you know, sweet, tries to keep him in line. But she also is oblivious to how things work on Earth. So it was fun to see these two characters together. 
uh, in that setting. They're probably the worst two characters to have in that setting. Yes. Uh, they're the last two people you want going on a mission. But then again, you think about the others who are like, actually, any one of them going on a mission is a terrible yeah, idea. She was like, I should have brought Groot. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the other characters, you know, like Thick Groot uh, and um, Cosmo and all our. Is there anyone you wish that they had just given a little more time to? In this, Amanda, you're shaking your head first, so I'm going to say just real quick, who would you love to see just a little bit more of? A little more Nebula. She was great. Oh, so and the, she was great. Um, you know, the, I dancing? Thought, the dancing? Oh, the dancing was great. I was here for her whole... Just, <laughs> yeah. It's a different side of her that you, you don't get to see very often, so it's nice to, nice to see that part of her a little bit. And so just not too much more, but just I think you could, we could a little bit more. Um, little Al, bit is more. there... Any any character you just wanted to, uh, just to taste more of uh, in this special? Cosmo. Yeah, That's it. to see the uh, just a little bit more of the the best the best. Oh, oh, Al, we're in we're in deep water here. Could Cosmo replace Pizza Dog as the bestest boy ever? I mean, we it's a, it's a, no <laughs> can't. Um, I love I do love Cosmo and uh, very good boy. Um, however, I will say I was expecting a Howard the Duck cameo, and I what did are, not get one. And I was a little, a little upset, but I was like, oh, wait, we have a whole Guardians 3 coming out. Hopefully yeah. he's in that. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, ben, any character that you were like, ah, I could use a little bit more of this person in my life? Wouldn't mind a little bit more Rocket, you know, having him have a few more uh, one-liners kind of zips in there. But I mean... 45 minutes or whatever it was. I know they wanted central focus. So yes. everybody kind of got their line or two and then that was it, which is fine for, you know, what, what we're looking at here. Uh, yeah. I also, I'm going to agree with Amanda. I, I was thinking just from the trailer, we were going to get a look that Nebula would really be the Scrooge of everything. But you know what? I kind of like the fact she really embraced Christmas and stole Bucky's arm. I wish that was, a. I hope that's a state. I hope they shot that scene at some point just to be like, well, yeah, I need your arm for, for rocket. Um, I would like, I, you know what? Nebula is great. And I would always love a little bit more, but let's talk about our favorite. Cause we're going to, because we got a whole season of Andor to talk about. Uh, let's get to our overall thoughts on the special, like our favorite moments and like what maybe didn't work for you. I'll, I'll just start off with like, what kind of didn't work for me? Um, and as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, I forgot what that was. But I'll tell you what did work for me instead. Uh, it was every the entire arc of them hating actors was amazing. Like Mantis dry heaving, Dave Batista just saying, uttering the phrase, he's like, I hate you. <laughs> like, and bef but before, because before that, we have this brilliant moment of Kevin Bacon pretending to be a hero. And oh, well, after that, I should say, after he's trying to, he's just doing the British accent, which is awful. And he's pretending to be Batman, which is a great joke, especially given James Gunn's <laughs> current role in DC. Uh, but and then we cap it off with Nebula saying, I guess all actors aren't a piece of shit, which is like no one's expecting her to go that hard on that line, especially when you have a seven year old and you're just oh, now eight uh, saying happy birthday. So if you're not listening to this podcast uh, is 
it's just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, don't. She's like, dad, that's a bad word. I'm like, yeah, but it's really funny in context. She's like, what's context? I'm like, don't worry about it. Um, So everything to do with the actors being a piece of shit. Actors are the worst. And Mantis dry heaving over Kevin Bacon was my favorite part. Um, what didn't work, I, I think it was uh, Chris Pratt's performance. It felt uh, a little mailed in, especially the part where he's like, wow, look at all these decorations. I'm like, dude, just, I think, just, just try, I, try, so- just, just put a scotch of effort into the scene. And Al, you're going to defend, um, your favorite shoe shiner from Indiana. I'm not going to defend the performance I, I kind of agree but i think at the same time like where is his where is his like character right now so it's post end game he's lost the love of his life he's searching for her variant let's go with that um, oh that's an interesting thing to say okay and like like i said the um craglin set up that like he gets he's like not happy this time of year because of christmas and all that kind of stuff and it's just like i think that's where he was like trying to be emotionally for the character but i think i I do agree i think it would have been nice if he like lit up more but yeah but i think that's where he was trying to be at least i agree i could see that tough interior kind of sad and depressed a little bit He's no Yandu. Come on. Um, oh, he's he could pull that off. Uh, well, so Al, you you brought this up. What what was your what was what part of the uh, the special didn't work for you? And what was your favorite? What was your favorite part of it? Uh, didn't work for me. Um, there wasn't enough of it. <laughs> I get. I mean, that is that's always that's always you know either an issue or not an issue in terms of like what you. Th- I love I love these specials. I love the. They're fucking around with time. Sorry, messing around with time. Um, you you can swear. It's fine. I know. I was thinking about the child children that are in the background of both of you, but then you I realized you both have headphones on. So yeah, like I love the the that they can tell these stories would have without having to waste like two hundred million dollars and like two hours and forty one minutes or whatever uh uh Wakanda Forever is. Um but at the same time, I do wish like I wish we saw a little more of swole young adult <laughs> Groot because that's amazing. I love that he just got really into like working out. Like I want to know what's on his workout mix. Um, it's the same awesome. as yours. It's the same as yours. He's no, essentially it's not. He's literally no, it's not. He's it's probably Lucas. more like Ben Ben's music than my music at the gym. See that Groot I'm, might I'm, be into a little bit of house. I'm rocking, out, I'm rocking out to like Muna and like. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and the Wonder Years and like random alt bands or See, Taylor I'm just, Swift. I'm just waiting for him to get picked up by WWE. Oh, or God. AEW. Come on, sign Groot, guys. Sign Groot. I'm oh sick. my God, I and, would love it. And in terms of things, in terms of like what I love the most, um, I love like the little, just like the all the callbacks to the first film and all of like what the guardians have been through throughout the mcu like nebula gifting um rocket (laughs) bucky's arm was such like a a throwaway joke that they brought back and it was so fun and funny but then at the same time at the end when you get to see um when they go back to the animation with yondu and you see him opening the gift and it's the one that he was buried with 
which was fantastic. Like that, those were great. All of those moments were great. And I did read, I don't know, it's a little fun fact. Um, someone asked, why didn't you bring back Michael Rooker to reprise the role of Yandu in live action? And what, you know, why do yeah. to do the animated stuff? My thought process was like, this is classic Christmas special animation. Like, I love that. He said, oh, um, no one can replace the kid actor that played Peter Quill when he was a kid. Oh. He said, like, that's young Peter in my mind. So I wanted him to voice him. But that's so that's how they did it. But but he's got facial hair now. So it's a little weird. I thought I I had read that it was a a throwback to the Star Wars special, but because there was animation in it, maybe the animation style. Yeah, that's what it was. But all right. Who has not gone yet? I lost track of time. Oh, Ben, let's go. Ben, uh, I always forget you. It's okay. I've I don't mean for a year. It's fine. It's it's fine. Uh, God, I'm the worst. Uh, so what worked and didn't work for you here? Uh, I mean, the only thing, would, it's not that it didn't work, but uh, despite us talking about how catchy the songs are, I'm not necessarily a huge proponent of like songs and musicals and stuff like that and most of the stuff that i watch uh but i get it's very christmas and it sets like the tone but my favorite parts of this weren't related to the songs it was more of the the dialogue and the back and forth um stuff that really worked uh everything that took place like at Minji's theater like the hollywood walk of fame that whole sequence was kind of hilarious yeah him him in the background just beating the shit out of the govon in the very last (laughs) sequence was just perfect because i didn't see that happening right at the end uh her jumping uh mantis jumping into who she thought was like captain america's like arms and then he runs away terrified like that that was really good for me um and i'm assuming we'll we'll talk a little bit more about kevin bacon because obviously he's the hero of this thing he was in this wait (laughs) (laughs) barely have talked about kevin bacon um not enough not enough. We, I mean, God, we have to talk about Andor, guys. I can't talk true, about Kevin true. Bacon. I know. Uh, I know. Can uh, I just say one thing about Kevin Bacon? Then you could say a lot of things about Kevin Bacon, but just make it fast. Well, no, but like I was talking about, it was a throwback to you know the first Guardians movie and him talking about Kevin Bacon. And then I'm glad that we did get Kevin Bacon and he enjoyed to do this because otherwise we'd have been stuck with like David Hasselhoff as like the Christmas gift. Oh yeah, and that would not have been uh, nearly as good. Uh, no. But this that would have been good twenty that, years ago. Right. You know, uh, the only good joke is that it was the best human trafficking Christmas gift since uh, Cousin Eddie delivered Clark Griswold's boss. So. <laughs> this is true. Well done. Well <laughs> Thank done. You. Sir. Thank you. Well done, sir. You, you've well. earned that beer. Uh, Amanda, what was what worked and didn't work for you here? Uh, I loved the whole, um, you know, Mantis and Drax at the club at the bar. And they're oh, just like, get drink, get just getting, getting their drinks on shots, all that. She's just dancing. I mean, it was, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. I'm like, I wish I were in the bar that night. Cause that would have been amazing. And, and, and then a, a Batista, they, so many dudes trying to pick him up and he's just oh, like, I have hilarious. He's dancing like, well, is for people who are pathetic. <laughs> they're like, yeah. all right, drink with us. And he's like, yes. <laughs> it was so great. I loved, I loved that. I just, yeah, just, just again, I same with Ben, the whole, you know, Mentious, yeah, all of it, all their Earth adventures. I'm here for it. I'm like, please make it a sitcom. I would, I would, I would totally watch, like nonstop, religiously. Um, what didn't work? That's hard. It was hard to say because I enjoyed everything about this, but yeah. I really would have loved Akira appearance. You and Alex, Akira Cedric. I, I, Alex said the same thing. He's like, well, you, you get her on the phone. You can't have her in yes, for like two seconds. Yes, what you so doing? I, 
So I was waiting for it because I'm like, okay, they called her and she's going to either show up at the house, like looking for him, or maybe they, she shows up somehow on nowhere, who knows, but I figured she was going to show up and then she didn't. And I'm like, oh, I would have liked a quick clip at the end. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe we see them at Easter. So that's the big thing. So they, there are two references to a second special. Now, this could all just be a bunch of bunk and hooey, or this is legit because Kevin Bacon said, can't wait to see you guys at Easter. And at the end credit sequence, we see Groot all <laughs> decked out in classic Christmas <laughs> ornaments and then drops them because he can't hold his arms up for that long, uh, despite you know his excellent workout regimen that Al will be uh, subscribing to uh, on Groot's Patreon, I believe. Uh, and... Uh, no, why not? That's like I, I have. We have a fake Patreon for my other podcast. I'm just like, hey, just check out the Patreon. People are like, what's your Patreon? I'm like, I don't fucking have one. Um, it's like it's, it's a joke only I enjoy. Um, is there? Do you guys think this is just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, haha, very funny, or do you think we actually get a, a second special because Easter will be before the release of the Guardians uh, Volume Three, which comes out uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend which is always a huge release weekend. Uh, do we see it? Do you want it? You know, so Amanda, I'll start with you since you, you know, nicely teed me up there. Uh, do you want a, a, another special like this? And do you please. think we actually get one? Please, please, please. I would love another special. This was so good. Um, it got me in the season. It was, it was brilliantly written all the callbacks. I even love the DC call, the DC throwouts and bull shout outs there. I mean, yes. with the little, even with the walk or they did the little star map and it's like, here's Margot Robbie. Here's John Cena. I, I just giggled, giggled seeing all of that. Um, so yes, I would love another one. Will we get one? That's a, I, I was thinking about that. And while you were ta- I was like, Ooh, because if they've, already shot it then yes um i now that james gunn is with dc yeah unless that's that makes everything so murky i feel like unless they've already pre-recorded and they've already done something we're probably not going to see it with him being in dc now i hate to say that but i don't think there's that much cooperation between the two studios or two franchises even Uh, i wish maybe Maybe. Ben, what's your thoughts and theories here? Would I want it? Absolutely. Um, I know they filmed this one like while they were filming the movie and they already had everybody together, so it was easy. Um, I don't think that we'd get another one before the movie comes out, but they could always, you know, toss this one down the line, hopefully. Um, I mean, I'd love to see them like do offshoots with other characters, just pick two and kind of pair them up, you know, random pairings each time and kind of give us something new. That'd be fun. Al, you're way in tune with all this stuff more than I. Um, what do you think? Do, do, I mean, obviously, I know you want to see it again because, I mean, we're both a bunch of saps for this for this content. But do you think we actually get one? Or is this just like a little loving tease from, uh, or troll, I should say, from James Gunn? I, I think if we were, I think there was a good chance we would get one. I don't know if that is now possible with James Gunn's new role in dc mm-hmm. um because I, I think after guardians 3 he's he's done it's just mm-hmm. it's going to be so time consuming to i don't know rebuild the entire dc uh movie tv video game everything universe that he is uh currently working on with uh what's his name peter or something I can't remember. saffron 
Stafford. Okay. So, yeah. although I'd love to see it, I don't know. That, that's the thing, though, is like these characters are going to probably live on in some way. So it's like if they do more Guardian stuff, are they going to do it without Gun involved? And is this the last we're going to? I mean, it's probably the last we're going to see of this team in with Guardians three coming up. Um, but I don't think it's the last of these characters popping up. I think Nebula and Mantis and Drax are just so fun that they can use them all to obviously Groot and Rocket. They can do without much in Cosmo you know, In Cosmo. You could do all of that stuff with voiceover and everything. And it's not that much of a lift, but I feel like a lot of these uh, actors contracts are going to get very, very expensive soon especially like someone like Batista, who's like super high in demand. He's working with like every big director right now. So it's like, yeah, he's got the new, he's got the new M night movie in uh, 2023. Of course, he's got Dune. glass onion. Um, glass so Dune, Dune, Dune two, Dune two, more Dune, Dune. Where's my car? Dune Sorry. I always wanted to say it, uh, but I just did it now. Uh, for me, I feel like it's 50, 50. Like I could easily see, they top secreted the shit out of this thing. And he just was like, I got one more in me. I just one more I want to do. And I think Kevin Feige would be like, dude, whatever, fine. Cause they did a bunch of reshoots not long ago. So I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, they could have done something quick. Listen, a St. Patrick's day special with rocket and Nebula getting shit faced here for it with baby Groot and Cosmo. I'm not, I don't hate it. I also pitched a Korg uh, St. Patrick's Day special uh, because that's something I would love to see. Uh, Maybe he's the bartender. Uh, Korg, there should be like a pride special. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every special should have Korg in it. I am a Korg stan. I mean, uh, (laughs) Alex is is listening to this podcast like, I fucking hate you guys. Uh, But yeah, I I think it's 50-50. He, I could easily see them being like, Oh, hey, there's another Marvel special presentation. And it even could be something where we see we've heard the rumors and innuendo about Nova coming in. And it's just like maybe that's how they backdoor him into it. I don't know. I think it's 50 50, most likely not. But like I have, I'm holding out some hope. But speaking of hope, speaking of something that we all really just all four of us just fucking what well, we all love christmas we love christmas al i've heard is the king of christmas this is what lucas calls you um well, i might have to battle you for the throne i don't know i'm a dj father christmas i'll take the dj part of it. it's fine but the other thing we love besides our families is Andor, the disney plus and uh who say animated special jesus christ the disney plus uh star wars series that just concluded on thanksgiving eve and we are here to talk all about it now uh for those who uh, maybe uh you haven't watched andor i mean please do um it is also air or if you want to catch it again it's airing on terrestrial uh, like regular tv over the holiday of the holiday weekend it was on all the abc the disney owned channels so they are showing stuff so you can still catch it if you don't have disney plus and you're just like you know my mom who's listening to this podcast my mom doesn't listen to my podcast that's fine um probably better uh so let's get into the pre-finale thoughts pre-finale thoughts guys we talked about this show like in just like the thick of just prestige geek IP television just happening. How have your thoughts about Andor changed? This is finale aside. 
changed since we first started podcasting about it. Of course, I have to start with the human Star Wars encyclopedia. Amanda Rivas, 2023 is going to be a banner year for you, my friend. Um, tell us what your thoughts, how they evolved over time for Andor. Uh, yes, I'm going into hiding in 2023. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm way behind on answering anything, because I'm just going to be immersed in Star Wars. That's just, just, just it happens. I hibernate and it's great. Um, I really loved Andor more than I expected. You know, it was it was when we started, we were kind of okay. Yeah, you know, it's a, the first couple episodes were they were good, but they were still there was still some work to be done, right? And then as the episodes, especially I think what after five, oh my gosh, it, this blew me away. Honestly, I'm at the point where I feel like this is probably. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite Star Wars products of all time. And I mean, I loved Rogue One. I loved, of course, the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorites. Just this, this show is brilliant. It's, it's better than I expected it to be. Because, you know, most of the time you, you, the show peaks and, and it, does, it does okay. And then it kind of, it's still good, but it flatlines. This show just kept going and going. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I... I, I loved it even more, even more now than than when we first started watching it. Ben, you wrote the review of the first three episodes. Give me your thoughts on how they've evolved over time. Yeah, I mean, I think when we podcasted before, I was the highest on it then, and I did, you know, write on it early. I liked it a lot then, you know. It was my favorite product already, um, you know, that had come out as far as all the shows. And then I think I was like around the eight, but I was like, there's going to be room. You know, we have to be able to grow from here because there's going to be some 10 episodes. And there absolutely were some 10 episodes. I think there was three solid 10 episodes of television within the series. Uh, and then yeah. it never dipped anything lower than like a seven in my mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. One of the, not even just the best Star Wars products, but probably one of my favorite shows like of all time at this point. It was just so phenomenally done. Even taking the finale aside, even though that's one of the tens for me, uh, the, yeah. the show is awesome. Al, you know, I honestly, and I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I honestly can't remember if you were on the Andor podcast with us. It's better than the time that I <laughs> bet it, Amanda, you were on the, one, the House of the Dragon podcast. I'm like, you guys weren't on it. And I actually had listened to it that morning. It was a rough day. Uh, but Al, how's your thoughts? Because I know this is a show you you're like, oh, I gotta catch up. I gotta catch up. I and I was the same way. Uh, how your thoughts changed uh from when you first started with Andor? Because I believe you were a little lower than us on it. So what are your so thoughts? You do now? remember that I was on it. Well, listen, I'm I was old. on it. I ha I have a vacation I'm going on tomorrow. I got a lot of things in my brain. Yeah. Stuff comes in at random blurts. This is why I'm a, an odd host on a podcast. Very true. But a great guest. Um, I was yeah I was I was like a little lukewarm on it I felt like the show kind of just started in a way that I was just like did I miss like 20 minutes beforehand like it just felt very like it just right into the action right right into the mystery right into whatever and I remember the first like two episodes being like this is fine this is okay third episode I was like this is cool and then I think we get to the sixth episode was like fuck this is a cool show like this is awesome like this is exactly what we need and what people have been kind of wanting since the get of like oh someone else is controlling star wars like let's hear about things that are happening somewhere else that we don't really give a shit about or have learned about before like it's not skywalkers it's not you know vader whatever right. like 
this is really cool. The way that they're doing it is like, you know, I liked Rogue One. I liked Rogue One. You're um, in a safe space. We all love it. Yes. No, that's the thing, though. Is like, Did I, I, I didn't see it with you. I don't. I, so. I, I like I really, really liked it. But at the same time, I, I will tell every single person that I that says, like, oh, it's the best thing they've ever done. I said, if you take out that Darth Vader scene, it is not. It's not the I best see, thing I, I've ever done. We've always disagreed about that. I just I honestly, that's the best part of the whole movie. It really is. Sorry. I mean, um Mads Mickelson's gonna have a word with you. I do which by the way, who would who would turn him down? Who would turn him I down? Would. Say like, <laughs> I, would. I would he's terrified. That's um, actually a great point. <laughs> thank you. Um, but I really I'm really enjoying this. This is like this is exactly what I want in on a star wars show um it's right up there i think with mandalorian for me of like i like i need to watch this now um where boba fett felt like it should have been this is what's kind of like correcting it a little bit and you were higher than all of us at the time on boba fett too i'm still kind of high on it because it just felt like it's the mandalorian continued it's the it's mm-hmm. it's just it's whatever that universe is going to be called the mandalorian verse whatever the mandoverse like, yeah. the mandoverse whatever like it just felt like this is like you're reading a tie-in issue or you know like okay that's yeah. what it felt like this is, feels like its own thing completely separate and like to the fact that we know that there's like an end game to it right there's like two seasons that's it right right like that makes it like like must see viewing because the the level of the writing and the character development and acting yeah is so top notch that like I'm in like the prison break scene um was like one of the best things I've seen on television oh, that was yeah. awesome it was really great and one of the best things I've seen in Star Wars especially in the Disney Star Wars um verse that we're in now so yeah I'm I'm really high on it I wasn't high on it before I'm definitely high on it now um, for me, the episode, the, I, I, I've been talking about this forever and I'll, I'll repeat it is that rogue one to me, why I really love it is, um, yeah, is, um, is really good, but, um, it, it would have worked better as a series, you know? Um, so when we found out this was going to be a series, um, that was perfect. So I like you, Al. I was like, wow, this is really slow. Um, sorry for the delay on my thought part. Amanda, <laughs> technical difficulty. She uh, went to light speed by accident. She'll be back. Don't worry. Um, that always happens. Uh, but so I was like, okay, great. I like Andor. Like, we're going to get this this whole thing. And and I was talking with Alex our, on our Bill versus the MCU uh, end of year episode, which is going to be coming out in a few weeks, and how Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, the end scene of that really tells the others uh, like uh, like it talks about the the snap, the blip, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's an alternate side of it. It's just like it's not in the Infinity War world, but here it is on this side. And you're like, oh, hey, this is how it impacts everything. And this is how everything that was happening with the rebellion uh, was not impacting Jedis and and Skywalkers. This is how it was affecting the everyday person, literal brick and mortar pun intended of of the rebellion and they built it in such a way that it made it feel like a world war ii drama that heist scene feels like it was directly out of like 
the Dirty Dozen or Kelly's Heroes or any of these World War II movies you'd watch. It was so gritty and intense and mature. And you didn't have to have the lore and legend of Star Wars to really um to really get it. Like there would be a stormtrooper there, but there's no one using the force. There's no one with a lightsaber. Uh you had Mon Matha, but I mean, let's face it, she's not, you know, Adderall Akbar or Chewbacca. Or something like that. There was nothing crowbarred in here that's just like yelling nostalgia. And I think that's, we'll get to a little bit about the burnout and why people weren't watching. But it, it really didn't, it felt so different than all the other Star Wars shows. And I think Tony Gilroy, who, if you've never seen his movie, Michael Clayton with George Clooney, great movie. Highly recommend you watch it. Oh, I feel like you haven't seen that. You should definitely watch it. No, uh, I just know the one quote from the trailer. Yeah, uh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's this is a great. He he's the right guy to helm it. And while Filoni is great and Favreau great to helm the Mandalorian because they get all the lore and they get all that stuff. Gilroy's the right guy to do this because he knows how to make good drama. Um. So who hasn't uh, uh we've all kind of summated our feelings on the uh on the show before uh the finale and I think we've all also dropped our favorite episodes as well uh, any episodes in particular I know we talked about the jailbreak we talked about the heist any episodes you also want to highlight that maybe we didn't mention guys just shoot it out if you want Oh man that whole um interrogation scene with Bix that was intense oh. That was intense. And actually, I don't know if y'all heard about this or read this or not, but no. they had uh, the, there was actual I think the thought was we were actually going to record the audio of the kids and play that. And they did it. Um, so that whole thing where Bix is listening to that, they were going to actually play that out loud for us to hear it. Right. Um, and I'm here like, I'm glad they did it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm glad they did it oh, because yeah. they, I, I want to say they had the audio recorded and ready to go. They just decided not to do it. And I'm here like, thank God. I I, the yeah. subtlety of that, like that whole scene of like you watching almost instantaneously her go from like, whatever, to like instant dread. Like that was terrifying. She, used, she crushed that. And it, I think it really made the scene even better that we didn't hear it. Cause, cause now it's left to like, what did, what did that sound like? How could you be, how could you like lose your mind after that? Well, and even the way she acted after. Yeah. Like her, was, she was broken. She, she like, was, was broken yeah. and just, wow. <laughs> did you guys um, also like star Wars South beach that they had? I mean, like, like where he goes afterwards, I, I really felt for Ben. I'm just like, dude, this is this is where you should be. This is where this is like he's at EDC or something like that. He's really he's feeling it. I did ben. feel like he was in Ibiza or something. And he was just going to, you know, get some snacks and then go back to the DJ sets. Uh, but, you know, they arrest not, people for nothing there. So I feel like that's not a good place to be. No, I mean, not that Ben has ever left a DJ set to get snacks and go back ever in his life. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this, there's so much. I think even before the prison break scene, that whole scene in the prison, especially, you know, with Andy Circus quarterbacking or point guard being the point guard for everything went through him was phenomenal. Andy Circus, man of many talents, 
check out his interview on thepopbreak.com. We did that for like one of the Planet of the Apes movies forever ago. Like, go check that out. Um, before we move on to the finale, any thoughts about the pre-finale before we head into just that wild, wild episode? Um, all I have to say is if Andy Serkis does not get any kind of acting nod, there is no justice. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way about Stellan Skarsgård. Same. Or Stellar Skateboards. That's right, Al. You were on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, um, we've all know him as the, uh, the guy who's in a million things. You turn around, oh, there's a scars guard. You know, it's him and his two sons. They're in everything. Um, but he commanded so much of this series. Every time they're like, hey, could you just monologue for a minute? And when he did, the entire universe and not just in the show for me, but like the entire world stopped because he was like, I am speaking. And what I'm saying is the most important thing that anyone has ever said. And his command is something we don't often see that from him. It's just like, can you be the scientist that Loki does the thing to or be this bad guy who the who we kill off? And that's it. And here he actually got to you know act with a capital A. Um his monologue was basically poetry and it could have been really ridiculous if somebody else did it. Uh, he made it work and it was, it was amazing because that whole episode with the prison break, we all, you know, law the, you know, the performance that we had, um, like earlier, you know, with the monologue, um, as they're breaking out of the prison and one way out and all of that. And we like, who can, how can he top that? How can he top circus? And then you just drop this at the end of that episode. And it's just incredible. So yeah. yeah, those are, those are two amazing sequences and two amazing monologues by two great actors. Let's get into the finale, this finale, man, my God, let's talk about the building of tension. For me, I felt this was old school filmmaking 101. This is that you go to college and someone shows you a movie and they're like, this is how you build tension through music. And I felt just the 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 parts where you see every party involved going to coming to this funeral march. And all I kept thinking was, and I would love to get everyone's thoughts because, of course, mine goes super negative, is I'm just like, someone's going to fuck all this up. Someone, whether it's Incel Jones and his chubby partner or the kid who I forgot about from episode one or two who got his dad, whose dad got killed, who made a bomb or skateboards is going to do something or his, his sidekick who's Mon Moth's cousin, who is like kind of worthless in my opinion. I think one of the worst characters in here, because it's like, what are you doing? What do you, wh- who are you? What are you doing? Or the one, the, the, the medic who's going to, she was going to randomly stab a dude at the wrong time. So I felt like that was what the tension was building for me. Not an explosion. It's just like, who's going to fuck this whole plan up? Um, Amanda, what, talk about the buildup to Fiona. Shaw. Essentially was the climax is Fiona Shaw's speech. So what is your, how did you feel during this scene? What is buildup? I should say. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I felt like it was very intentional. 
I, I don't think that's this negative at all, Bill, because I, I really feel like it was a deliberate decision because you're just waiting for somebody to make, just mess up. Whether it's, oh my gosh, your nicknames are hilarious, by the way. It's Al Jones. Of course, I don't remember their names. He's just, well, come on. It's, if, it, he is an incel. I mean, come Incel's on. Jones. He wanted I'm to... calling him that now. It's it's his new name for me now. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm stealing it. Um I mean, because I'm like, well, he's he's going to mess it up because he's got this creepy obsession with uh, the officer, uh, with the ISB officer. ISB, I'm like, I'm ISB like, Jones. Yeah, ISB I, I, Jones. I it's like Intel Jones and ISB Jones. I was like, yeah. I'm like, he's going to probably mess it up because he's so, you, you see him look at her and I'm here like, oh, no, he's going to. I mean, I feel there were very deliberate choices because peop, you get more anxious with with other people's actions than you do with, you know, um. We're, we're ready to like nuke this place or the bomb or whatnot. People's actions make other people nervous. And I mean, I was just, I would have been, if I was there in that moment, probably would have bitten all my nails off, probably would have just been pacing. And again, brilliantly done. I was already at the edge of my chair doing this because I was like, oof, oof. It's so kind of, I was I very to, anxious. I, I had to get up off my couch. I'm like, all right, I got to walk around. I got, yeah. I can't, I'm, I'm getting very stressed out here, but doing it's, it's that, it's that old adage. People are people. And, yeah. and that again was, was brilliant because it didn't take, you know, a big cataclysmic event. It didn't take anything like you're used to. in a lot of other movies, it just, it took the actions of many people to get it to start to build that tension and with their actions and that, you know, that people are fallible and they're going to mess up and they're going to do something um, again. And, or even going back, <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, shoot, that's a big mistake right there. You know, I mean, you know, should he have gone back? Should he, you know, it, 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 all those things come together. Brilliant, brilliantly done. Kudos to Tony Gilroy because he, he gave me heartburn and I'm a, and an acid reflux and, and anxiety. And I, I was here for it. <laughs> I could have done without some of it. Um, Al, <laughs> what, how, how, talk about the the build up to that scene and what you were going through uh, watching that. I mean, did you have to go back for a couple of libations just to keep the old nerves at bay? I think I was definitely, uh, I de- definitely had a libation watching it. It reminded me a lot of like, you know, uh, a, a penultimate Game of Thrones episode. Mm. You know what I mean? That like, that anxiety of like, yes, who's who's coming in to fucking kill everybody now because it's coming who's gonna drink poison what's gonna happen at any moment or you like, know what it reminded me of it reminded me of the theater scene in inglorious bastards <sighs> where everyone's getting ready and someone's gonna fuck all this up <laughs> you know so and yeah that's what it reminded me of and that just like, moment where you're just like oh <laughs> that's a legit perfect film God, I, I love mean, that movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's my favorite Tarantino too. Uh, yeah, so I just, I mean, that's how I felt. Uh, so it, it also kind of reminded me too of like, I'm trying to think of other shows that had had me like on the edge of my seat like that, but like for an extended period of time and not just like the final five minutes. Because mm-hmm. um, that was a pretty long scene. I would say it got at least 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah at least. It, I would say like Breaking Bad too. Breaking Bad always had that kind of moment of just like, you know, man this is a lot of tension like what is gonna happen um so there's there's a few a few episodes that i can think of from from that amazing run uh but yeah i mean i want like i just want this all the time like just give me 30 seasons of of this and i wish we gotta wait till 2024 i know but like and or it's such a it's a great concept like again a concept of a 
like Rogue One when that was announced, people were like, "Why?" Yeah. And then when Andor was like, I'm like, all right, but like, why again? But like, this is what I wanted in like um, that, like Star Wars. Uh, we talked about this before, Amanda, the, um, the game that we were supposed to get a long time ago. Is it um, not, Battle, it's, or not three? Battlefield 3? No, no. The game no. that we were supposed to get that got canceled. Oh, um, uh, is it 1313 or something? Am I, I losing my was. mind? It's like a, it's like you're basically like it's like a bounty hunter game. Yes, I think it is. I think it is thirteen. Now I feel like I'm, I'm gonna Google. Now, I'm gonna Google yeah. <laughs> I already got it. Video game Star Wars thirteen thirteen. Yes, a video game. It developed. It was developed. It would take a more mature, gritty direction. Yes. and it's like basically like bounty hunter, kind of like Boba Fett game, sort of. But like that's what I thought we were gonna get. I mean, that's what I like this is what that is and it's like it sucks it's only been two seasons like i could have done 30 seasons of this like in terms of like the espionage not dealing with lightsabers like i think this is really cool so yeah that's how i feel ben just give me all your thoughts give me all your words well yeah i was going to reference like al did the game of thrones uh winds of winter especially with the musical build-up that they had before cersei like blew everybody up that was kind of how i was feeling about it is everybody scrambling to find the bomb and whatnot um there's another show we don't talk about nearly enough on this podcast peaky blinders that does that quite I know. often i know uh, right so that that definitely uh, is another one that's kind of like that but yeah, this one did it really, really well. I think it reminded me of episode three where they were, you know, banging and had the gongs going, but we never actually got to see like what that could potentially lead up to with the town just imploding. And we got to see it here. Um, you know, everybody's kind of going through the motions. They're trying to find Cassian. He's one step ahead. Everybody's kind of putting their, their plans in motion. And then, uh, yeah, the speech is just as she's, you know, towering up there. First of all, that's how I want to go. If you guys could just turn me into a brick. And then just parade me oh, around yeah. town with the parade. Can I, and then, can I hit a guard with yes, the brick? Yes, you can. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't, I'll be disappointed. I would just want to tower above everybody and give like a speech. But I mean, it's it's just the perfect moment of just implode. Like as right as she says, like fight these bastards or whatever. Then it's like, yeah, let's let's fucking go. And you don't kick over the cutest droid in oh, Star Wars. What yes. a dick! What a the poor dick. stuttering droid. As soon as I you know. kicked him over, you were done. He everybody was like was a done. he was like an old man droid. Uh, who yes. was this like who was this like oh, Cassian? Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, hold on, I've got arthritis. And you're like, is right, like B2 emo as well? Yeah, yeah it's, it's emo. Yeah, it's B2 it's emo. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I feel didn't that. that one up. Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> when he was young, everybody. Uh well, like uh, so you have to get into Fiona Shaw's speech. To me, it was just like, why did you bring Fiona Shaw to this show to have her die? Like she didn't do much. And then we get that speech, man. Holy shit. And to me, it's the perfect, that is the summation of the series. Like we were talking about, it's like the revolution isn't all princess Leia and people with money and cruisers and Jedis. It's the people who are going to take literal bricks and beat the shit out of people. And who are going to be shot like dogs in the street. It's what Lucian had talked about. Lucian. Oh, shit. What's his name? Luthen? 
Amanda Luthen. Sorry, I've I named six other people. Luden's cough drops. Oh, don't my wife's favorite cough drops. Uh, <laughs> they're not cough drops. They're candy. Exactly. That's candy. Why her favorite cough drops. <laughs> I love those. Uh, Sophie loves them too. She's like, oh, oh, right. this is candy. I'm like, it's, great. It's candy. Um, so as I pop another cough drop, um, is as uh, my voice is give out on this podcast. Um, so they, it, this is about the people, and this is what Luthen essentially thought he was doing. It wasn't people like Luthen who were going to make the revolution. It's people hitting stormtroopers with bricks. And that was the best part. And so, guys, I just want real quick, let's just get our thoughts on on the speech and like how how you feel it impacts Star Wars. And how how do you actually feel it's going to impact the series going forward, Amanda? Like, how do you feel like this speech like changes everyone? Because I feel like it changed Luthen. And that's why I actually, if you could just focus on Luthen and how you think it changes him, because we talked about how powerful he is, but her words are more powerful in my opinion. Well, it, it really brings, again, I think this is, it's brilliant because it, it gives a whole different side of Star Wars that we don't see because you bring up a good point. The revolution and the rebellion and everything is in the eyes of, you know, the Skywalkers and, you know, all the big names that we're used to. And so you really don't think about, you know, the, the people, it's really the people you need you need the backing of the, the the support of the people, the everyday person, the Andy Circus, right? Um, and just I think with Luthen, it's 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 a concept at first, and people are pawns, but then it's wow, no, this is no, this is real, this is real, and this is this is a thing, and I, I feel like he's maybe going to make more well informed decisions, maybe or more. I think just maybe more thought out. And maybe more, I, it's going to be, I think he's also going to be more calculating. We've already seen signs of that um, with what he did with the ISB spy. Mm. I think we're going to see a darker side to Luthen too, because, you know, there is, he's going to, it's, he's going to struggle. I feel like with all of the, the blood that's going to come, all the bloodshed, all the people that are going to die. Um, I mean, you already saw it with the 30, you know, I think the men he sacrificed with the, the one mission that, that, that you know isb they they, yeah. they went and took everybody down so you know i think i think luthan is gonna have to be more ruthless to handle the guilt i think we're gonna see a more human side of him but i think we're gonna see him struggle more but i also think you're gonna see him be more calculated and cold and make have to make these ugly decisions because that is war mm-hmm. in essence you have to build a, a thick skin you have to build some kind of shield when you're leading a revolution and you have to deal with the death and the consequences and everything falling around you. So I think we're going to see more humanity from Luthen, but I also think you're going to see him be more ruthless. Ben, how do you think, because Cassian hears the speech from afar, how do you think that speech changes him? And, and I think we kind of see it a little bit at the end of the episode, but how do you feel this changes Cassian from what we saw in for most of season one and going into season two? Well, I think the speech you know, is one thing, but I also think he's kind of moving around a lot. So he, maybe he's catching words here and there. But Brasso, I think, gave him everything he needed to hear because he told her him exactly what Marva had said like before she died. And I feel like he took that and he was already ready to run with it. I mean, I think that's where he made his decision up that he wanted to be a part of this revolution, like in a larger scale. And I kind of think you know, Luthien was already kind of a cold son of a bitch. He's like sacrificing people. I feel yeah. like he's already there and he was using everybody as a pawn. But now I think he's realizing, seeing it from the ground level, uh, you know, witnessing the speech, witnessing everybody uprise, that he can, that there's more people that he can use and they're not just pawns. They're not, you know, just 
people that can be expendable, but they're like the most important part. You need like those people that are in, in each planet, you know, to kind of grow one revolution over another. Like when they did the heist, that news kind of traveled. So people got inspired by that. Now this uprising is certainly going to travel and people are going to get inspired by that. I think this for, for Cassian, we see him in Rogue One kind of being that cold, you know, he murders a yeah. guy like in the first five minutes. Yeah. So I think right now he has more humanity and like he's trying to make the right decision and value human life and whatnot. But I feel like he's very quickly over the next season going to realize that he can't be like that if he wants to, you know, enact change. So I think all of this witnessing and he's about to just go into training to be like a harder, tougher guy. Um, so that that's going to be a really interesting season two. And I think we kind of talked about it a lot, but um, we don't see a lot of these people in Rogue One. So he's probably going to lose a lot more people and be a lot more cold hearted. And that's why he's the way he is. I think it's Bix who's going to eat it. I think that's why I seem like they all will. Yeah. Uh, Al. So I'm going to take it from a different perspective of the Empire and the ISB have seen this speech. And they've now seen the fallout of that speech that it 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 is it is radicalized and mobilized the people of Ferex to attack uh, an empire garrison. How do you think this speech? And you know, we see uh, Incel Jones and ISB Jones are all you know they've heard the speech, they've survived. How does this change those characters and how the perspective of the empire now? I mean, there's a movie called Star Wars came out small like, movie late 70s no i mean it's just you, we're, again we're seeing the, the you know the true like beginnings of the the fires that light the rebellion right so um i think that's just pushing that forward i feel like with the second season it will be a lot more fast pace because of the events kind of unfolding because as we know from the end credits of this one they've completed the death star uh, mm-hmm. Or they look like they're completing the the the. Oh, Death we'll Star. be we'll be talking about that Death Star Un, uh, as I refer to it as. Uh, but yeah, that. So we're we're they're already that close to right, right. Rogue One, where we're gonna it's gonna be fast paced. Like season two is gonna be, you know, I think within the first two episodes, maybe even three, we're gonna get K two S O. Yes, they are. We, it's we confirmed. Have, we yeah. have to see that friendship build, and he's my guy. Love K2SO. Love, Love him. The man. So, yeah, like, I, I feel like we're just seeing, like, that's one of the, you know, first shots of the rebellion starting to take shape and coming from behind the shadows more. Um, and we're going to see a lot more of that. I feel like we'll get, like, almost like a... If, if that's broadcasted out to everybody, so what are the ramifications? I feel like the the beginning maybe even like a montage of the first episode of the second season is showing other rebellions happening i like that a lot i like that a lot i don't often agree with you and say you have good ideas but i agree with you you have a good idea it's very hunger games-esque yeah that's kind of what it's in a good way in a good yeah yeah i like hunger books were great i think the movie's solid too but i'm just saying like that's we're gonna get that like oh because of that sign of rebellion you're gonna start seeing the the beginnings mm. of it uh, really started to ramp up. One thing I want I'd be remiss if we did not talk about this character who was a character who we've seen in Star Wars before, but has just kind of been this like kind of ancillary fringe character. And that's Mon Mafa, uh, who it's has not who I thought you were going to say, by the way. Oh, uh, who'd you think I was going to say? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, was he? Um, he's pop up, he's popping up at everything. The guy, uh, 
what's it called? Um, Boris Whitaker's character. Yeah. Oh, Sagar. 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 Guerrera. Yeah, no. He's in everything. <laughs> no, no, no. He's literally. He's, isn't he in Fallen Order? Uh, yeah, I yeah, think so. Is. Yeah. <laughs> everything. But not, not him. We're going to talk about Mamatha. Who we just know is, you know, she's like a politician and then she ends up being kind of involved. In, we see her, I think, what if, uh, Amanda, you're going to correct me on this. I think the first time we see her is Return of the Jedi. Uh, is the first time we see her within the trilogy. I believe Star so. Wars, right? Like around yes. when they're planning the Death Star fight. I think in the, yes. the, the, the trilogy, yeah. Uh, the trilogy the she is. Yeah, I want to say Return is the main, yes. Yeah. So yes. this is a character that's been around and we saw her character. I believe we saw her a little bit in the new trilogy. And now we're getting more of her as she's in the Senate and she's a political operator trying to, you know, fund the revolution to the point of selling out her family. She's willing to... Uh, get in bed, not figuratively, with a, uh, a gangster and have her son court his her daughter and then uh, then accuse her husband of falling back on his gambling in order to cover up her transactions. What did you guys think of this? Taking this different robe, it takes it. It's a diversion from Andor. It's a diversion from Luthen. I think it's great because it gives us a whole other aspect of the revolution. It's just people working within the government and working within the system to try and corrupt, to try and take it down. I think it's great. I don't think we actually got enough of that character. If I'm going to give a minor criticism, we could have got even more with her um, because I think the stuff where we had the one character is like her cousin or something like that. I'm like, ah, whatever, like give me more intrigue with her. Uh, and I believe her, her, my favorite scene with her is when she's in the, uh, antique store let's just say for back of lack of a better term uh talking to luthan's right hand and they're going back and forth and arguing i think it's a great scene so amanda want to get your thoughts on the mon matha storyline uh, where do you want to see it go in season two i feel like we're going to see it get heavy in season two nice. I, I really do i think i think mon matha is being set up here in this and I really feel like as much as we're going to get into the nitty gritty with Andor and it's going to get messy and it's going to get, you're going to get the people on the ground. You're also going to see more of the political intrigue. And I, I really, I like that it is Mon Mothma because, you know, she, the way she dresses, the way she carries herself, you know, there's this, there's a sense of, and even the way she's set up um, in the Star Wars universe, you know, in comparison to Saul Guerrero, where Saul's a little rougher and everything, she's more genteel, refined. Even when she's wearing like white, you know, it's it's um, it's her hands are going to get dirty too, and it's in a different it's in a different way. No one is spared <laughs> when it comes to a rebellion um, and, and starting one. And um, you know, I, I she's calculating in a different way, but I think she so she's very much like Luthen. In a, in a lot of ways, but she still has her humanity there because she doesn't want to sacrifice her family, but she winds up having to, to do it um, and having to be reminded by her cousin that, yeah, this is what we signed up for, you know? Uh, so here we are. Um, I mean, it's brilliant. So I think we're going to get a lot more in season two. Awesome. I, I'm here for it. Ben, your thoughts on Mon Mothma? Because that's not something we really didn't get too much of her in the, the episodes you reviewed for the site. I mean, she kind of grew, her character grew like a lot in those middle episodes. Um, and then really big payoff, like in the in the finale, because it's just so cool to see the whole scene play out where she's basically forcing a fight with her husband, accusing him of gambling so that 
the the driver who she obviously doesn't you know trust that much and knows is probably reporting back her activities uh can overhear and then you know that'll explain why there's weird money movement going on and whatnot so it's really really calculated on her part super smart um she's one step ahead but then she's also having to concede a little bit you know you said she wasn't willing to get into bed with this you know terrible person but she's kind of having to send her daughter out there to his son so I don't know. Hopefully she can find a way to back out of that at some point. I'm sure she will because she's very smart and brilliant and probably has something going on. But uh, but yeah, her character is going to be probably huge in, in the next phase because, you know, we know she lives. <laughs> so yes. she's going to get uh, yes. a lot of FaceTime, a lot of continuous growth with that character so that we can see what she becomes by the time we see her in Rogue One. Alphonse closes out on that. On the Mon? On the Mon. Yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, if if she's become such a big part of the rebellion, like literally like addressing them, then I think something drastic is going to have to happen where, you know, she gets set up, she gets found out, whatever. Um, and I think she's going to lose her family in one way or another and completely get disassociated uh, yeah. with them. Um, so I'm, I'm that's what I see for her. I think I think she's great. I think the actress is fantastic. Um, and it, it just adds another le- like layer to the show where you're kind of seeing the rebellion from all these different sides and how they all add together, add up together. I think again, um, it's Gilroy, right? He's Gilroy, yeah. crushing like literally. They're like, "Here, do whatever you want." He's like, "I'm gonna do, you know, uh, a a like Mad Men level drama mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe." And I'm like, "That's cool. I'm I'm into it." So one thing I uh, I had a hard after the finale we had an end credit sequence showing the completion of the Death Star which Al had mentioned. My initial take to this was like, oh fuck you guys! Really, we had to we had to tie it in just to, to something else. We had to just to give the to give the straights something, you know. Oh, it's tied into Skywalker, and then I you know after I stopped being a jerk, uh, I was like. It makes all the sense in the world because of Rogue One. But I like to get your guys' thoughts on this. Did you anyone feel that that was some very forced tack on to the end of this season? No, it's a prequel. It's it's again, it's a prequel to a prequel. Yeah. We know what it's about. It's just me being an angry old man. Again, like if you're gonna have a, <laughs> if, you're gonna have, if you're gonna have a show with Mon Mothra, whatever her name is, and Andor, we know what Mothra. He, <laughs> yeah, we've talked. We've actually I've said this. So it's stellar skateboards and Mon and Mon Mothra. Mon Mothra, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So their like role in the <laughs> their role in um the destruction of the first death star is so monumental that, that the whole show is going to lead to that yeah sense. yeah i just felt like i was just like because i i just feel and this is, goes into my next one is like why aren't people watching this show uh because i'm just like we talked about it, there's no lore and legend so i felt like they were like ah shit we gotta tie it back in so people will be like oh this is star wars you know because why are why do you think this people are not tuning in i mean uh, some of it i heard is greatly exaggerated but you i also don't think disney puts this show on terrestrial television if it's doing awesome so ben i want to start with you why do you think people are just not tuning in or why do you or do you find yourself also trying to convert people to actually watch this show because i definitely have yes i definitely do that 
I will comment just briefly on like the Death Star piece. It's just I thought it was really cool that they had him basically while he was in prison. They had talked about like that's probably what he was building, but it's implied that that's what he was building. And then you show like pieces of what he was building that's actually you know constructing it. So he's making what he ultimately sacrifices his life to destroy. It's really really cool and brilliant. But uh, why people are now not that, watching it now that you yeah. say it this way, I feel like more of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, why people aren't watching it? I don't know. People are stupid. Bill, a lot of people are, are they're dumb. Right. There's just there's so much content out there, and I think people like I think you'd alluded to maybe got burned out on Star Wars. If you're not just like all in on it, then you maybe like picked and choose, and then you saw Boba Fett, no offense, Al, or uh, even even the Obi Wan series, and we're like, eh, I guess it's not great. But this Gilroy's writing is brilliant. Like there's a freaking monologue every episode that just blows you away. This is top to bottom, like nothing like any of the other shows that Star Wars is doing, and hopefully it's. I mean, there's a lot of shows and a lot of movies that, you know, bombed initially or didn't do that well, but then one person watched it and word of mouth goes and like eventually everybody's watching it. And then by the time the next season comes, which we're going to have a huge gap, I guarantee like next season, that first episode when it drops is going to have a huge audience because there's no way people sleep on this that long with this, you know, much as people are raving about it. Al, why do you think people are not watching or why you feel you have to convince people to check this out? I mean, I think on paper, this show is super uninteresting. Okay. Like, I think, I think, I think Rogue One itself is kind of a niche Star Wars. Like, again, there's so many people who love this, but like, I think the general consensus, if you say like, hey, have you seen Force Awakens? They say, yeah. Have you seen Rogue One? They'll probably say no. Like, if you ask a general audience, and I think that's, again, with Andor, and it's, again, with also all the most of the marvel um disney plus series too it's like do i need to watch this no like do i like is this like essential viewing no will i enjoy it yes and something with like andor you're gonna like love it because it's really really well made but just because it's well made doesn't mean it's gonna get the general audience to watch it like better call so is better call Saul is the best television show of the last decade I'm going to say a giant portion of the world has not watched that show. Same with Mad Men. I feel like Mad Men is a little more watched. Not by much. Not by much. The rating when a, when the AMC was in its golden era, yeah, it was The Walking Dead, which had all the ratings, and Mad Men was like precip like exponentially behind it. Okay, fair, but yes. Mad Men is also going down. All right. But it's same same thing. Same, but same yes. thing. So what I'm saying, yeah, it's just like it is quality television. It's great. But is it essential viewing? No, it's a prequel to a prequel. Like I don't I, I understand why people aren't running to this show. But I think with the second season coming out and Disney making a big push, the award consideration, having it being available on different platforms and things like that, I think they know they have a hit on their hands. The rest of the world doesn't, and they're really trying to push it, which is great. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's not it's not a phenomenon yet. No. Right? Mandalorian was an instant phenomenon. Ted mm-hmm. Lasso was an instant phenomenon. And it's like... Never watched it. It's crazy. I, I just did it. Crazy. Off. But like... I, and, I have Apple even, TV Plus now. Even so my I wife watched it. Like, I have Apple TV now, so I can watch should. it. But like... Watch it on the plane. Totally recommend. Um, but I don't know if Andor is going to get there. It needs to be essential viewing. And it's still, with it being so good, 
so well written, so well acted. It's not essential viewing. And I think that's why Disney's like, uh, we could try this to get people to watch. But it's it's not you're not saying like this is the Boba Fett show. This is your favorite new favorite Star Wars thing. Look how cute baby baby Yoda is. This is like, hey, you remember that guy from that movie you probably didn't see? He's the he's the lead now of a show that you don't need to watch because it's a prequel to a prequel. Unfortunately, that is how I feel. Still really well made. I really like it. Amanda. Uh definitely have a, a couple of thoughts about it. I, I just um so first of all, there's no big actor or actress. I think that also hurt the series. I mean, you had Ewan McGregor, you know, yeah. and Hayden Christensen, you had a lot of hype, you know, for the mm-hmm. Kenobi series. Um, you know, and you had some pretty good cameos for Mando, and you had you know, there, there was a lot of a lot of buzz and I feel like Andor didn't, you know, Diego Luna is getting there. I think more people are starting to recognize him, even though he's been in the acting world for quite some time. Yes. But that's really the uh, other than Stellan Skarsgård, that's really the, the biggest name because even Andy Serkis, as well, as much as we know him, he's always played a, a supporting or a secondary role. So you don't have, I think, the star power in people's minds that make them say, hey, I'm going to watch this because, you know, it, it, oh, um, I have to watch this because Diego Luna, he's not quite there yet. I think he's, he's starting to build up there. But again, I think not having a big name for people is kind of, you know, detracted a little bit. Um, the other argument I've run into, because yeah, I've, I've been in the same boat where I've kind, I'm trying to convince people to watch, um, is, well, why should I watch it? He dies anyway. <laughs> mm. And that's a tough, that's a tough argument, you know, to, to work around because it's, it's, well, why am I going to get invested in this character when you know what happens to him? But then I come back and say, well, why do you watch Game of Thrones and House of Dragon? Because you know what's going to happen to everybody anyway. <laughs> you still watch the show. Um, it's still brilliantly done. But I think you have that argument out there where people are like, again, he, he, he dies in Rogue One. So why should I care about this guy? And he wasn't even a big part. You know, it was Jin that got most of the focus, even though, yes, Andor yeah. had his moment. Jin was really your main character. So you're trying to get people to care, care about a secondary character. And that kind of plays off of Al's point um, a little, uh, you know, to, it's not essential watching or viewing, um, you know. And and I think, too, when it was released, um, again, we had great quality nerd tv out there there's a lot of competition at the time so it wasn't just other star wars content again we had house of dragon at the time we had sandman we had i mean all these other shows we've, we've podcasted on um out at the same time and i think the last part of it for me was this was a show I felt more t- that was more tailored to adults. A lot of times Disney, again, with Mando and, you know, even Kenobi and whatnot, you have the marketing and the merchandise and you have the cute, you know, you have, you have, of course, our sweet baby boy Grogu. Um, you know, there were, a lot of the, the merchandise is how word of mouth gets out there and it makes your kids want to watch it and you watch it over Andor didn't have that because there was no, as much as I love, I love my droid. Um, <laughs> he's not, there's, there was nobody that was cute that you're going to sell merch for. And I, I think, I, I feel like that kind of missing that marketing push yeah. um, played a role because that's what keeps every, that's what keeps a show in the forefront of the public eye. And so I felt like this got a little less attention. Um, 
you know, more so than some of the other Star Wars products because it wasn't as marketable to a general audience versus this was, this is what we want as an adult. I love this Yeah, <laughs> made yeah. for me, um, not to take away from the show at all, but I feel like all those different factors, in my opinion, hurt why a cause are just reasons why people don't watch Andor. And they should. I agree with Ben. People are stupid. Please watch the show. Please, please, please. It's brilliant. Uh, people need to get past the first two episodes. That's a big complaint I've heard. Oh, I watched the first two. It was slower. And I always tell people get past that one. And they when they do, boom, they love it. I think the big, I think one thing, I don't know if anyone brought it up or not, was burnout. I think Star Wars burnout is a thing. I think a lot of people were burnt out uh, by the Star Wars films uh and weren't a huge fan but the mandalorian saved that and then i feel they got burnt out by the fact that book of boba fett was a letdown and that kenobi for the most part was a letdown these were not the cultural phenomenons like al you had mentioned about like the mandalorian book of boba fett is not something we revisit boba fett is a, a great character everyone loves whose legend grew and grew over the years and the decades but when we got to the show it was pitched as a star wars gangster epic and it was anything but that uh when we got to kenobi it's like oh my god ewan mcgregor's back this is going to be great we all love the first two episodes and then it got real soft in the middle had some great moments but it are people really going mm -hmm. back and talking about kenobi they're not we now have three Star Wars films with uh, shows within this year. If you want to also throw Visions and, and uh, uh, Tales of the Jedi in there, that's five Star Wars shows this year. Uh, it's a lot. Com also combined with Marvel stuff and House of the Dragon, all the nerd IP you want to talk about that we talk on this show. People were just like, I've had enough. And people also feel burnt out but the volume of shows and the quality. Quality is not there. I know there's people who work with Pop Break and podcast on Pop Break who are like, no, I'm good. And they have great opinions, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's I think it's a lot to do with burnout because it's like, OK, great. I'll catch up to do eventually. But I do think by the time they get to season two, well, Al, I think you're right. It's not going to be Mando season two. I think it'll be a much more popular show and there'll be a bigger audience than there was upon the initial watch, the first watch of this season. I think there's going to be a lot of converts and I think Andor will grow in popularity by the time 2024 runs around. Jesus Christ. Um, so, guys, I have to go put a child to bed. So I'm going to ask this real quick. Go around and talk amongst yourselves for a bit. Is this the best Star Wars thing that disney has done since they have acquired the star wars property amanda i'm gonna let you steal the boat on this one start first guys i'll be back in a minute uh so i say yes um i mean the quality the acting has uh, just fantastic the storytelling the emotional journey everything that i've wanted in a show period it, it got me off of watching anime and that's a big thing. So <laughs> I've been watching lately is probably nothing but pure anime. Um, and you know, it, this, this show was just, it was brilliant. Honestly, it's probably one of the top five star Wars products for me of all time. Um, I just, I loved everything about it. What do you think? What do you think, Al? What do you think? I think it's not my favorite. I don't think it's the best, 
I really enjoy it. I think it's what they've done is is an achievement because they've made basically a Star Wars drama without lightsabers. And I think that's pretty impressive for them to do. And it's really well acted. We, we've we've said all the nice things we can about the show in the last hour or so. It's really great. But Mandalorian and what Filoni and Favreau have done. That is like dream scenario what i want in star wars like i remember probably i'm thinking 2015 uh yeah probably when Di- when disney acquired lucasfilm and there was talks of a star wars tv show i'm like my god that that's like i can't imagine how cool that would be if they did a star wars tv show and they literally nailed it right out the gate with mandalorian and that's exactly what i want so i think that's number one for me still I think that's the best thing, uh, best Star Wars thing that has been like in my book right now, outside of the original trilogy. Just like so cool. I mean, that's um, that's a fair that's a fair yeah. point. I mean, I try not to compare this show purposely to Mando because I, yeah. I hope Mando is one of my top three. If I, I think top two actually for for yeah. me is Mando. Um, it's yeah, that that show is just sheer perfection in general yeah. and like totally um, it's entirely different like yeah it's hard to really compare those two but if you're saying like what's your favorite so it just depends on what kind of tone you prefer yeah. and, and for me like this is the tone that i've been wanting it's what we talked about like i wanted to get out of boba fett i wanted that serious darker star wars movie uh, or show and for me like just this one it's it was harder to get there because there's no nostalgia built into it. It kind of more or less has to stand on its own. There's nothing to really fall back on. You can't just say, Oh, I remember that thing from that other movie or that character that I love so much. Um, so this could really play out by itself. It's the best acted, best directed. It looks better. Like the cinematography, if you compare this and like what they've done with the other shows, especially Obi-Wan, unfortunately, like this looks so much better. You don't get lost in the chaos. You can clearly see what's going on, even though like the scope of it's huge. Um, so yeah, this is this is definitely by far my favorite. Bill, is got, it your favorite? I know it's a, you got back just in time. It's not. It's oh. not. It's the Mandalorian still. Sweet baby boy, it, right? It's sweet yeah, baby. baby. That's boy. that's those ears, baby. Those yeah. ears get me every time. But um, right. Right. honestly, the reason I say that is because it's always it takes the the existing lore. And it uses it in such a, a, a genreifies it and makes it more of a Western. It, it develops the characters and it cuts its own path. And I know some people hated Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of season two. Spoilers if you didn't see season two, it's like two years old already. Um, it's and you just watch it and it's just like they're able to play in so many different sandboxes of star Wars. It's just like, here's some of the animated stuff. Here's some of the lore you already know. And they blaze their own path and they make it its own thing. And this is the thing that Mando became more culturally relevant than anyone from the new trilogy. I mean, I remember BB eight was the big thing. Grogu is way more popular than BB eight. Mando's more popular than Ray. Like, and any of the characters, whose characters i just forgot <laughs> you know i just i'm like oh it's poe and then who else like like there's all these characters like i should love them they should be my new you know the new trio here but they're not it's mando and grogu those are the tops those are the people i i want to see i love andor i think it's great it's my number two but 
what they did with the Mandalorian was able to just make everything great <laughs> with it. And just the acting is perfect. The cameos are perfect. They take all these different directors and they, 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 they make it their own like uh, unique episodes, but they all fit within this story and this world. And, you know, Christ, they brought yeah, in a boy from Justified to to, uh, just, to make Al and Amanda Swoon and maybe Ben too. I don't this know. Is you know this is true. This is true. This is true. I just really think you can't compare anything to Mando, though. I think Mando again is in a league of its own. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If I if and I can't if I can't compare Mando, then yeah. yes, Andor is the best. Yeah, that, I think that's how it's like. How do we frame the question of? <laughs> You know, it's such a tough, it's such a tough question to answer because I think anything compared to Mando, if you put it up against Mando, mm. is not going to, it's, yeah, it's, it's not going to win. Yeah. I mean, Force Awakens, I guess, would be the closest one. I know Solo is a big one for Al. Um, I like Solo. Solo's good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We should, we should revisit that one. Um, I like that. Yeah, you know, listen, we got a we got a couple episodes and uh, for next year we haven't fi- filled out yet. Uh, but guys, that's really uh, let's just give uh, Al. What should we rate Andor on a scale of one to ten? Um, bloody oh, bricks! Oh, damn, I was gonna say I was gonna say one to ten uh, bricks to the face. Oh no, <laughs> that's better. Bricks to the face. So Ben, scale of one to ten, bricks to the face. Andor season one. I'll keep it short. It's a very very solid nine bricks to the face. <laughs> I'm gonna go nine and a half bricks to the face, just because it, uh, they kind of break one off at the end because that's for the first I get ding it for the first two episodes we did also headbutt a stormtrooper too which that is was also equally impressive fucking amazing <laughs> uh, um, Al uh, 1 to 10 breaks to the face I th- honestly it's so good it's so good this is your best contribution to this, sh- this show is always like what's the most random metric we could measure something on and we and we didn't even get to, to measure uh, the Guardians Christmas special. Oh, I, I mean, it, oh well, well, well. All right, we'll get to that in a second. It's fine. Um, no, I, I think if if the show continued at the level of energy and kind of uselessness it did in the first two episodes, I would have easily given the show like a six or a seven. Uh, it did a complete one eighty for me. The show is really awesome. It's really really great. I, I'm gonna give it an eight five. I think it I think season two will probably go higher. Um, I think the only thing bringing it down for me is um, it's almost like it's it's getting a little formulaic with like the every three episodes kind of thing Mm. is something big and a lot of build up to the thing. And I want I want to be a little more surprised. So oh, I can see that. That's a good point. That's, That's about it. That's what we need to Great. we need to give Great you another show. six weeks off so you can come back with good points. Thanks. Uh really, man. Hey man. And Amanda it. Amanda, close us out. Then we're gonna do the Guardians one because I now need to know if it's actually what I, I think Al's rating system I don't, is. I don't think it is. I'm curious too now. I want to know. Um I'm I'm gonna keep it short. Nine point five bricks nice. to the face. I mean nine and a half. I mean it was it again, the first two episodes, I agree. It was a little disjointed, a little they were a little slow. Um, but yeah, when the show picked up, oof, I was here for it. Again, just it was brilliantly done. Brilliantly done. The soundtrack is great too. Do I work out to some oh. of the soundtrack? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. The first, I think the soundtrack for the first four episodes is out right now on Spotify, other streaming platforms. Uh, yes, for Ben, I picked up that that one club. I think it was like the club one from the first. There or is second. the club one. Yeah. There's the club one. Do I work out to that one? Yes. Yes, I do. Good. Good for Cardio. <laughs> Good Al, what's your uh, Guardians ratings metric? 
one to ten million swole Groot reps. Oh, I thought you were going to say one to ten Bucky arms. I thought it was going to be Bucky arms. Or one one to ten bloody corpses dropped by Cosmo. You all knew that it was going to be the Bucky arms. I had to pull a a (laughs) twist. Omaha. Oh, I mean, oh, listen, Uh, it's ten million. For that, it's it's a it's a cherished classic. I'm gonna revisit it every year and possibly again tonight. Yes, uh, uh, I I might as well after this uh, after the Steelers Colts game. I I smoked Dan Cohen again, so I'm pretty good in our league. So I'll take it, go. uh, guys. Uh, so guys, let's get into our uh, let's get into our. Our, our, uh, our pop culture recommendations. I forgot the segments on my own podcast. Um, pop culture recommendations. Listen, guys, I'm just going to start. Metallica dropped a new fucking song. Happy birthday to me. Lux Eterna. Uh, our, our editor, Lucas P. Jones, messaged me and Al. He said, this is not a drill. Metallica has a new song. Tours comes to New Jersey. I'm like, holy shit. I listened to this song like 25 times easily. I love it. It's three minutes and 25 seconds of rehashing. It's like they've gone back to kill them all. James Hetfield has like this sore in youth to his voice, which obviously is production. I'm not stupid, but it's amazing. It sounds great. I love the guitar solo in it. I know Lucas thinks it's trash, but listen, Lucas is, he can be a little pretentious about things. Uh, so I love it. Go Lux Eterna. Uh, it's by Metallica. Just look Metallica up on Spotify. You don't want, Eterna has got that weird AE thing going on. So yeah, go find it. It's great. It's the best song. It's my song of the year. So Amanda, what do you got for us? Oh man, if if y'all are not watching the news, the new episodes of Bleach Thousand Year War, it's a it's a I am, I am not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um out on Hulu and um I mean, oh my gosh. It's it's one of the I know a lot of people were turned off by the original series in a way because there's a lot of filler. Um, I really enjoyed it. And but this this new arc covers the best arc of the manga, um, which is about this this essential war between the Soul Reapers and the Quincy's. Long story explained, but <laughs> um, but the animation is brilliant. The storytelling is incredible. I think I've cried a few episodes. Um, so between Bleach and then also My Hero Academia, the new season has been phenomenal. Uh, that's on Crunchyroll. I believe it's also on Hulu. Um, some of it is on Netflix. I'm not sure if the newer episodes, but My Hero Academia is fantastic. This new season. Oh my gosh, you guys. So watch those animes if you have not. <laughs> Excellent. Ben, what do you got? <laughs> Despite like all the amazing content oh. that's out right now. Um, oh, sorry. Let Al go real quick. Yeah, Al's, Al just, Al was like, I got to go. And I'm like, oh shit. Al, what do so- you got? Sorry, I have a, a crying child who uh, doesn't like to sleep at night. Um, I'm going to go real quick because I haven't been on forever. Um, and it's crazy that Bill hasn't mentioned that I was going to talk about this, but the new album from Phoenix is so good. I already uh, mentioned it once already. Yeah, so. <laughs> Al- uh, Alpha Zulu um, is the new album. You can hear or hear. You can read my interview with Thomas Mars, lead singer of Phoenix on the poprec.com. We talked a little bit about the new album and making new music and stuff, but it was mostly to promote their Radio City show, which was great. It was so good to see them. It felt like the pandemic was truly over when I got to see them live again, which is amazing. The new album's so good. It was kind of a, a slow burn for me. Like I, I at like after like two listens, three listens, I was like, Oh, this is really, really great. Uh, reminiscent of their first few albums. Um, like, 
even through their breakthrough Wolfgang Amadeus, which uh, everyone on this uh, call would know at least one song from Phoenix is 1901. Um, so if you know that song, that's the album I'm referring to. The last two albums are very concept heavy albums. This one feels a little more return to form of, of like kind of like mix of all these different influences and stuff. It's a great album. Absolutely adore it. Uh, been fun podcasting with you guys. And so be so glad to be back on the socially distance podcast. I'll see you guys later. Hopefully we'll see you next week for Willow. Uh, if not, I'll plug his socials. Don't worry. So Ben, like you were saying, what do you got for this week? What do you got? I just want to say like, despite all the great like original content and shows that are out, uh, Netflix has a documentary that I watched. Uh, that was just full of nostalgia. It's called a uh, Pepsi. Where's my jet? Cause they had this points program that they put out in the mid nineties. Oh, right. And there was oh, a thing where yeah. in the commercial, they didn't put like this Harrier jet at the end. They put like this arbitrary amount of points thinking like people get that it's a joke. Somebody took it very literal. There was no like fine print. And so they sued them to try to actually obtain the Harrier jet with all the points that they had earned. Uh, so it's a, it's a really good documentary to have on the background. And it just brings a whole bunch of nostalgia and like flash new stuff that you remember from, you know, being much younger. So it was, it was really interesting. Uh, even if you just have it on the background, it's great. And Ben, uh, since, since we're now uh, closing it up shop, tell us where people can find you on the popfreak.com and uh, plug your social media. Yeah, at BD Murkison on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and if you check the pop break, I should have a review of the first three episodes of Yellowstone coming out. Yep, um, it's already up by the time cool. this podcast airs. Yep, awesome. So then a few uh, a few other things um, coming down the path. Jack Ryan, uh, new season is dropping That's soon. Right. So I'll be writing yeah. that. And uh, a couple other shows that are, are really good. Excellent. Um, Amanda, where can people find you online? Primarily on Instagram. Um, at Amanda Lorian and yeah, just, uh, just sharing about my travels, nerd stuff like Star Wars stuff, anime, um, just all the things, uh, in terms of the wrestling side of things, y'all need to go back on title match network and watch uncanny attractions in Austin. That show was fantastic. Um, really, really just a lot of fun to attend. It was held at a, an outdoor concert venue. So it kind of made for an interesting setup. Um, but everybody on the card was great. Uh, you know, we had, um, uh, Kylan King go up against Eve Surreal and that was fantastic. Nice. Of course it's like 40 degrees outside, but <laughs> I've, I've seen Edith wrestle a few times live. They're, they're yeah. pretty oh, awesome. It was yeah. great. It was great. And then we had Billy Dixon go up against a uh, sunny kiss. That was fun. I almost got thrown out of my chair. It was great. <laughs> oh, Billy Dixon was supposed to retire like five times already. Oh, no, um, still going, still going. But still yeah, going. that's where I'm at. <laughs> As for me, if you must follow me on social media for now, I am at Bodkin Writes on Twitter. Um, I'm sure when I'm on vacation, I'll have time to, you know, have, you know, get us on Hive and Mastodon and whatever other Friendster and whatever. Um, but for me, uh, on my vacation, I'm probably good. I always, even despite how tired I am, I will have a whole bunch of content going up on the site because that's what I do. Uh, you'll see a great British Bake Off holiday season. Uh, you'll see something on Andor. And you'll see something on Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. Uh, check all that out on thepopbreak.com. Um, as for me, uh, Bill versus the MCU, which is on the breakcast. I we did uh, we have upcoming our uh, the Feige's, which is our <laughs> it's our end of the year award show. We also talk about the special, and we also make an announcement about season two, and actually our seasons up until twenty twenty six. 
TV break. I also have that. Uh, our end of year episode will be airing next week on Pop Break TV. Uh, until then, uh, check out thepopbreak.com every single day. Got tons of stuff that's going to be happening while I'm on vacation. I'll be, still be posting stuff on the site. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pop Break. So for, oh, and if, uh, please check out all of Al's work at Al Manorino on Instagram, uh, where he is taking, he'll be back in the photo game for both thepopbreak.com and nj.com. Yes, the Star Ledger, uh, the paper of record for the state of New Jersey. He's got a lot of great work there. So for Ben, for Amanda, and for Al, this is Bill Bodkin saying thank you for joining us on Socially Distance and heading up uh, the holidays. And next week, we're going to be talking about Willow. 